Do you know what time it is? It's time for the Workforce Show, where you will learn the latest news about employment trends, current opportunities, and innovative strategies for managing a career on WERA 96.7 FM. Today, uh, we have Bianca Costo, and uh, she has a married name, too, but we won't even worry about that right now. Uh, and she works for HHS uh, in the federal sector. She's a public servant, and I am very proud of her uh, for serving as she has, and she'll tell you about it as well. Uh, so, but before we start, I want to ask the listeners uh, we have, you know, we know what I, uh, IOT mean is, is Internet of Things, and the uh, IT is is uh, something else, a generic name for it. But um, I want to know what you think, or, and, and I want Bianca to, to help us grapple with this, because uh, in reading what IOT is, is the Internet of Things, as I said, is a system of interrelated computing services and devices and mechanical and digital options and humans and animals and everything that uh, we transfer data over network without requiring a human-to-human interface. Do you agree with that? Does that sound like a lot, Internet of Things, Bianca? That's really well put, I think. <laughs> well, well I was far into me because I am not technical. Okay, so we have a problem. We That's the the world of internet uh, we all know what internet is but it is a what of internet is that a involving the development and maintenance of computer systems software networks what is the difference between internet of things and it bianca so um it to me is the encapsulating factor um everything has to do with um information technology right it is the is it's the data it is the internet of things it's um a number of um of factors that all put together actually create a uh, ecosystem of internet you know yeah. and um for us the kind of stuff that we do so i um i work for uh hhs Specifically, I am the uh, Chief Information Officer at the Office of the National Coordinator for Health IT. And um, my main uh, uh, objective is to provide the um, support uh, and the services and the systems and tools that we use internally from an operations perspective to be able to meet our mission. Okay. But the mission of the office itself really is, um, has come a long way. Um, first, we started with the movement towards electronic health records, um, and now we're looking to um, create the interoperability uh, among all the different uh, factors in the healthcare arena and ecosystem. And, um, and we basically have a number of uh, standards 
that tools uh, need to meet, and we have a, uh, a, a technology department that reviews all the various uh, tools that are out there available and ensures that they meet the standards and their uh, information is flowing and it's interoperable and that there isn't any information blocking and data blocking and things of that sort. But I, I specifically support the back end, the internal uh, pieces to, to everybody else within the office. We, we have a number of different tools and systems that we use, and um, so I, I provide that. Me and my team provide that level of service. Well, for all of Health and Human Services, they're only for the uh, health, uh, your health uh, department, your health, what is it, your CIO? Electronic, or, yeah, electronic health records. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's you're, you are concentrating on health records, right? Our, yes, our office, the Office of the National Coordinator for Health IT, yes. And that is really a booming area. I, I've gone to a lot of uh, training works, not training programs, <laughs> but for a lot of information sessions. And health records, electronic health records, is the, where it's happening, isn't it? Is, is it really? Absolutely. A, and, and specifically, you know, ensuring that we as uh, patients, um, have access to our records, right? Um, we shouldn't have to, um, you know, pay. There, uh, at, at one point, people were paying a per page, um, you know, fee at their doctors to be able to get their their records, and um, and that's not that's not uh, acceptable. It's not allowed, and so is it government employees or everybody? That's everybody. Everybody. At one, yeah. At one point, if you needed to get your records, I mean, they were charging. I mean, I've overheard some, you know, crazy amount of fees. Um, but now, you know, we, we have access, uh, we have access to our records. They're, they're our information as patients. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, we should definitely all be out there and, and, and requesting access if you don't have it and ensuring that you're dealing with a practitioner that actually uses electronic health records and that you have access to your um, your information, your data, then, you know, you can take it from place to place and utilize it in different settings whenever it's needed. Yeah, believe it or not, uh, years ago when I was a consultant, a fledgling consultant, uh, I had a contract, I don't know how I got it, but I had it. Uh, it was a, a health records, it was in electronic health records, and, and we were dealing with the, the lack of uh, cooperation between the, the military services. <laughs> And sharing their records. Do you have that problem, a lack of cooperation in sharing health records? You know, so um, so we've come a long way. I think the infrastructure um, wasn't there initially, and this has been some years ago now. Um, at this point, the, the interoperability um, is there. It's a matter of, you know, are the systems speaking the same language? You know, as a... Uh, like I said, my, my role is really internally from an operations perspective. And one of the things that is um, a major issue is uh, within the federal government in general is interoperability among our systems, even internally, to be able to do what we need to do. With your legacy systems, you mean? Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. We have many legacy systems. You know, if, we are, are, if we're lucky enough to be able to convert to a, a more modern system, a more innovative and efficient system, um, then, you know, the legacy system tends to stick around for a while until you do some data migration or archiving of the data of sorts, you know. And so, but a lot, a lot of um, legacy systems stick around for quite 
some time. And so that's something that we're dealing with within the federal government. Additionally, too, having um, APIs, and I... Um, API know, means uh, what? Part of, uh, application program interface. It allows for two different systems to be able to communicate. Mm -hmm. um, once the data is defined as to what you're going to be uh, passing to the other system and what the other system is going to be accepting and, and, and returning back to the initial system, um, you can create these APIs to create that interoperability needed and be able to access the data that you need for whatever it is that you're trying to access. Mm. And when you have these legacy systems, unfortunately, you know, it's old technology. It's been around for a long time. And, you know, the amount of data that's in these systems is, is, is you know, quite substantial. And trying to migrate it to a, a new, you know, system will bog down the system. So oftentimes people will back it up into data data warehouses and, 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 and data storage. Um, but it's, it's, it's tons and tons of data. Mm. Um, so... So what, what do you do? do? Are you involved with the cloud? I mean, do you back up data on the cloud? We, we do, yes. We currently um, use, uh, we have a, a data warehouse that's uh, located in our GovCloud. The GovCloud is only accessible um, by government entities and, and, ha and is only able to host government. Um, do you have a special code to get into that, like the present, uh, like we have to deal with presently? You have a code for like secret stuff in the um, cloud. Not secret stuff. None of our data is secret. However, we do have um, publicly identifiable information, and so that needs to be secured. We we do a um, an assessment to determine what type of data we have in our systems and and um, categorize that data to determine what level of, of security the system needs to have. Um, but in the Gov Cloud, um, there is already a built-in level of security, per se, in that only government entities are able to access and, and have their tools in that, in that cloud. So mm. we have a data warehouse that we have on the cloud, as well as a, um, a number of other tools that we utilize to actually um, visualize or, or create visualizations of the data for our leadership and our managers to be able to, to see and, and, and utilize and, and that, you know, analyze and that sort of thing. You know, I, I, when I'm around you, which isn't very often, but every time I am, you seem to be, uh, people seem to be calling you with a problem, one problem after another, and you have to respond. So what kinds of problems do you have to deal with in your job uh, in, in IT or technology uh, to make sure that everything is interoperable and everything is working fine? So sure. what, do you, what do you do? So... Um because I provide the, that back-end support when something goes down or when somebody uh, finds an issue, it's pretty much a fire. You know, we need to, we need to get all hands on board and um, put out the fire as quickly as we can. Um, some of those things, so because we are, uh, the majority of our, of our products and, and the, the tools that we use are on the cloud, some of it is that, um, for example, Microsoft might have a new patch or a new uh, update that's uh, released that then impacts other um, other tools that we have um, custom built um, to be able to do certain things. And so 
when something like that happens, it, it is a showstopper, what I call a showstopper, <laughs> meaning um, we need to address it right away because folks are not able to actually complete um, yeah. their, their their work, work and, yeah. and therefore our mission. Mm. So you are a troubleshooter and you are a troublesolver and you are a person who wears lots of hats, but all for the the goal and the objective of having a smooth operation uh, between those who want to access the health records and those who are storing them or managing them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Go ahead. And specifically around all of our um, all of our internal operations work, um, making sure that everybody has you know the proper tools that they need to be able to meet um, their requirements, the things that they're working on, ensure that we have enough space to um, house you know our our data, make sure our data is secure and it has the proper levels of, of security. That's very important. Um, ensuring that any API or application program interface is a secure API, that we are exchanging information between systems and tools in, the, in a secure way. Those are all um, of, you know, key, key objectives for, yeah. for me and my division. Well, I want to ask you some questions about your, your, your work in general. So as a CIO, and, and I, I was on the LinkedIn, and you have the CIO, and you are a director of operations. <laughs> so it, it's both you're wearing two hats. So and, and in a separate agency. So how, how does this fit in in the government? Like HHS is a very large uh, department. And the agency is, is, is what, your agency, the, the health records? So, yes. Yeah, so, so HHS is split up between uh, what we call staff divs and op- op divs. Um, we are a staff div under the office of the secretary. Um, and my, uh, my particular division is the um, division of systems and data. Uh, and I'm the director of that as well as the CIO under the chief operating officer within our office. Hmm. And so we, we're, um, we're, so we're considered a staff div. Uh, okay. Well, so what's up there and go back to the beginning. Now, you're, you have, uh, interestingly, uh, an undergraduate degree in uh, psychology, right? Uh, actually, I have a uh, undergraduate degree in history and French. And French, right? A double right. major. Uh-huh. So how did and you then, how did you choose that major? I mean, how first of all, how did you get into that program? How did you manage to become a history and a French major? Sure, I am. Um, so I initially wanted to um, to become a lawyer and do international law. Ah, um, there <laughs> yeah, and so uh, that was where the history and French. Uh, double major came from. I went to a um, all women's university in New Jersey called uh, College of Saint Elizabeth. Yeah. It is now actually co-ed um, for maybe two or three years now, I guess. Um, or they may have they may have actually graduated their first uh, uh, co-ed class last year, if I'm not mistaken. So I guess four years now. And um, so I uh, after I graduated. I uh, moved down to the D.C. area. I was planning to attend law school. I actually had uh, uh, been waitlisted in a couple at a couple of the law schools in the area, and so uh, I knew that I wanted to be in this area and, and came down here. And while I um, 
was waiting um, on the wait list. I actually was a director um, at a university in the area, and uh, part of being a director at the uh, a resident director at the university was that you had uh, the ability to continue to um, to study and 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 do undergraduate work and um, at a, a discounted rate. So I, com- I completed a computer science degree um, at uh, Marymount University. While you're waiting, while you're waiting to be yeah, called, while I was okay. Why, uh-huh. And then I actually got uh, I got accepted as I was waiting, but I really enjoyed the computer science uh, work that I was working on, and um, and completely went uh, left and decided I was not going to be a lawyer any longer, and continued to do the computer science work and graduated. Um, with a second degree in, in uh, computer science. Uh, well, I will tell people who are listening that you are a truly accomplished person. I had no idea that you were that accomplished, but uh, <laughs> uh, but so be it. Uh, so, by the way, folks, uh, no, I know Bianca from uh, from her work, and she has a lot of uh, successes and a lot of uh, recognition. And I. Recently, she was nominated to be what? What, what was the, you were nominated for the Federal Women, uh, the Outstanding Woman? Uh, yes, it was uh, out, uh, something Outstanding Women in Health IT yeah. um, within federal government IT, I think is what it was. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was really neat. That was a, a very special recognition. It was by uh, FedScoop. And um, I did not expect that uh, my uh, a few folks that I work with actually nominated me uh, for it, and then um, and there, there's a voting process and all, and that was that was really really special. And, and Cindy, thank you for coming uh, to that and supporting me. It was I know my I didn't pleasure. stay too long, but it was very nice to see you. It was my pleasure. I wish you uh, could get more awards, and you deserve them. Uh, and besides working, she is a veritable warehouse of volunteer work. Uh, what, you know, talk a little bit about your work in, as a volunteer. What, what, pro, what programs are you volunteering with now? Oh, sure. So uh, we, uh, I created, along with my friend, a nonprofit organization called Women of God Network. Uh, the organization does uh, a lot of fundraising, and we uh, provide um, scholarships yearly for uh, young women that are um, going to college, and they can utilize the funds for either some help with uh, purchasing the, their books or for a computer. We really don't dictate very much of, of what they can do. It does need to be related to their to their schoolwork and to help them with that. Um, so that's very uh, uh, something that's very gratifying to us. We really enjoy doing that, and that's a, one of those big things um, that we work on. Um, and then other than that, I mean, I, I support folks with um, their, uh, uh, from a business consulting perspective, I help folks with, uh, that are just starting up their own business. Um, uh, with me, by the way, she, she helped me with a blog, but I haven't even done it yet, <laughs> so it's <laughs> guilty right, as charged. We, we set up your blog. Yeah, yeah, things like that. I'm always, um, I, I feel like uh, we, we can support each other and we can help each other, and, and that's always... Uh, that's always my motto, I guess, in life. Oh, yeah. And and you have such a wonderful personality, uh, an engaging personality. And I don't know, I can't imagine you making somebody feel that they weren't 
welcome to your expertise, but uh, perhaps you have had that moment when you've had, I've had enough of this stuff. <laughs> so um, so going back to, to you and what you're doing, uh, I, I've been thinking, are there, are there any challenges as long as uh, in your career path, are there any major challenges that you had to face in order to go forward? Um, I think, you know, in the, in, I'm a little older, uh, these, you know, than the, the new folks just coming out of college and stuff. And what I would say is that the IT, um, realm has definitely changed and has definitely matured through the years. Um, when I first started, I, I did start as a, um, uh, developer, you know, and, and, um, quickly realized that that wasn't necessarily my um, forte. I am a people person. I enjoy um, that people, you know, person-to-person interaction. So I, I moved into quality assurance and requirements gathering and that sort of thing. And that was definitely more my cup of tea. But I'll say that, you know, initially in, in starting out um, and developing, which I, I did do for, for, you know, quite some time as well, um, it was really a, a – a, IT was really a, a man's world. Um, and I – Nowadays, you definitely see uh, the diversity that has come uh, about, which is great. I think that's awesome. We still need to continue down that path uh, from a science um, perspective. Uh, we need more women in, 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 these, um, in these science and engineering um, type of roles. Uh, but it definitely has come a long way. Mm. In the in the twenty plus years of, of experience that I have, twenty four sure. years—that's a lot of years—and you have twenty four years more. So, there's a lot of years of looking ahead. Do you know where you want to? We we're about to we have been cutting off now. So the, so I have to ask you this: Do you have any idea where you want to be in ten years or five years? Um, I will probably say that I will be out there doing my own thing. I do do some consulting currently. I um, enjoy traveling very much, as you know, and I we know. have a travel <laughs> blog. And, you know, yeah. so I definitely um, see myself being able to do and spend more time, more of my time doing the things that I enjoy and love, like my books, writing my books and, and, and blogs and, tra- and traveling for sure. Um, but always see myself volunteering and supporting people um, all through the way. So I, that's, that's what I see for the next five, five years plus. Okay. And and finally, uh, I think it would be fair to say that you don't have to have a computer science degree to be in computer science or to, to need to know IT in, in a small way or a large way. Do you have people who are, other than computer science majors, working in your... Oh, yeah, absolutely. And that's a great point uh, that you make, Cindy. You definitely don't need to have a computer science degree. Um, the truth of the matter nowadays, uh, you, you really don't even need a... Um, a degree. <laughs> you really don't even need a degree to some extent. You, know? yeah. you do need to have attention to detail. And you need to be somebody who's willing to... Um, you know, be able to put in the, the, the work, the sweat equity, you know. Yeah. Um, starting off, you know, you, you take those little, um, the odd jobs, the things that you needed to do. And, and you know, I, I was never one to shy away from any, any still today, anybody has asked me for any help with anything. I'm, I'm perfectly okay with, um, with helping at all, at all times. But, um, but yeah, what I would say to, to the young folks that are, 
you know, about to come out into the workspace, and, and specifically if you're looking into the, you know, public sector with the government, um, what I would say is, you know, take those opportunities to, to, take, to do an internship, um, even if it's a low-paying internship, it gets your foot in the door, and then shine, you know, be that person who is going to bring change um, into the environment, bring new skills into the environment, um, and and that's really what we're looking for um, is for those you know those people who are willing to um, come in and take the initiative you know and, and really make that that culture change that we need in the federal government. Well, that is the final final word from Bianca to everybody who's listening who's thinking about IT. Bianca, I really really appreciate your coming Absolutely. on our show, and we'll continue this conversation later. Yes, okay. absolutely. Thank you so much, Cindy, for having me, and good job with the with the radio. This is awesome. This is a great, great opportunity for for folks to hear about everything you're doing. I know you're out there all the time, and you're always trying to get you know folks on there on here that are um, experts in their realm, and and you do a great job with that. So I <laughs> want to give you kudos on on everything that you've been doing and how you've grown this. I think it's awesome. Okay. Well, thank you. Thank you. I'm going to be. Um crying. So I'll see you later. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to The Workforce Show. This interview and others can be found at WERA.FM or at CareerCentralOnline.com. Thank you for listening. Until the next time.